Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and today we're going to be talking about the new moon in Aquarius 2. I am joined today by my good friend, Gary Caton. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well, Spencer. Great to be here, man. Yeah, it's great to see you. Gary and I uh, have participated in a few different, um, uh, what, what, where were we at? Glock, right? We are at the yeah. uh, Glock Astrology Conference a few years ago and spent some time together and really got to know each other. And I'm so excited because you're such a talented and skilled astrologer. I'm really a fan of your work, my friend. So thank you, man. Um, so likewise. <laughs> so you're joining us from North Carolina. Maybe tell us yep. a little bit more about yourself and what brought you to astrology and, and maybe some of the things you have uh, on offer in, in the hopper coming up. Right. Well, that's a little bit of a long story. I'm, I'm on my Saturn return as an astrologer this year, man. Nice. Can you believe that? That's crazy. I, I can barely believe it. It's like, what? <laughs> but yeah, like in 1993, I had a dream where I saw the symbol for Venus inside the sun. And I was like, holy shit, that's got to mean something, you know? And I and I got an ephemeris, one of those old blue Rosicrucian ephemeris, and I looked it up. And the sun and Venus were conjunct on the day that I had the dream. And I was like, wow, man. And so... That's how I became an astrologer, and I've just been going at it full, full speed ever since. Um, but yeah, I am. Uh, I started out as a modern astrologer, like most people did back then, and then I stumbled just through sheer dumb luck. Stum literally stumbled onto Project Hindsight in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, um, and so I got exposed to a lot of classical material, and then. Uh, and then I from there, I kind of went a couple different ways. Like um, I really got serious about understanding astronomy um, and doing astrology with my face, like sky astrology. And, and then I got into hermetics um, because I was I was really astounded to find out that, like, you know, the astrology was never really practiced in isolation back in the day. It was practiced as a tool to to aid alchemy and magic and and all that stuff and so i i would really classify myself as a hermeticist first or as a hermetic practitioner um first these days um so i do uh i, I put out a monthly report i just got finished with the monthly report i'm a little late this month 50 pages man of um, oh, wow. magical elections nice because there's so much going on this month we've got a venus mars conjunction you know jupiter's now in pisces we've got a lot of cool stuff going on and i really wanted to like go through all that and so yeah usually it's like 20 to 40 pages i put out of that every month and um and it you know it gives people an opportunity to practice with these alignments and and to um to try to make make their lives better you know through invoking the planetary powers and and calling on their eight you know what planetary um i mean actually i do like six different kinds we work with planetary magic deacons um and uh and then of course fixed stars constellations uh, lunar mansions let me see i did say six i'm missing one there um Let's see, planetary, decans, um, big stars, constellations, mansions. There's something else in there that I'm missing. But anyway, um, that's, so that's, 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 that's a, a, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it right keeps there. me busy, man. Yeah, sure. And then, and then I, I actually 
make, um, I fashion custom talismans um, that for, for special elections, like not all of them are worthy of like, you know, what they say, etching it in stone. Sure. You know, so you might just do a petition or something, right? If it's if it's not your best election. Um, but with the ones that are really, I go ahead and make some uh, permanent talismans and those are available exclusively to my members. I don't sell them. In fact, I don't even sell them. They, they're, ba- they're available to my members basically on a donation basis because it's like, if you, you know, if you're really hardcore about this stuff, some people believe that you're creating a being when you create these talismans, that you're insoling a piece of matter with a starry, you know, spirit. Yeah. And it's like, it would be almost like trafficking in beings then if you're, so, so I'm selling the service of, of, you know, of, you know, just calling this stuff down rather well, I, than I selling. Think that, I think that was one of the first experiences I had with you, Gary, who was sitting in on a paper talisman workshop that you did. Yeah, we the, did. I think it was Alfeca. Yeah, Alfeca, we did. That's yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Remember so that? Was, that was Jupiter. Cool. It was Jupiter on <laughs> Alfeca. So that yeah. was a lot of fun and yes. uh yeah. very very um edifying and whatnot so so yeah i i really appreciate the work that you do and especially appreciate the way that you bring in astronomy to the conversation i think that that was another thing i enjoyed that we participated in together was sitting out in a field uh you know at dusk you know seeing the the stars move together and you being able to point out all of the different movements that we were seeing and what constellations we were it, seeing it's had it, it saved my life as an astrologer man because you know it's a tough it's a tough gig it's not easy and and uh there's you know, there's a lot of um yeah i mean you know it's 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 tough to make a living you know as a creative person you know and um that th- there's a there's a vitality there's a there's a th- this we call it the living sky you know, yeah. and, and it's alive and it's, there's a vitality that comes from that, that I cannot even begin to describe you, but I know that it kept me from burning out. And, and that's the reason why I made it 29 years as an astrologer. Well, and you're so, an excellent photographer too. I, you, you post your photographs on Facebook every once in a while and they're all just amazing. So incredible <laughs> photographs. Thank you, man. Yeah. I wanted to share that vitality with people, you know, and it, it, it comes across evidently because yeah, a lot of people are just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if you sleep, what do you get up and take these photographs? Sometimes with? I do not sleep, yeah. but what I do is, you know, I go and go and go and then I take a couple of days off and just crash out and, and yeah. chill and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes that's what it requires. It requires you. And that's what, you know, I got, I had to get really militant actually about my copyright with that stuff because People think that images are just like, you know, free because they're on the internet. And it's like, hey, man, I climbed a mountain to in the cold, you know, and like put myself in danger to get that shot, you know, and and you know, it's not, you know, you're not honoring my my commitment, you know, which is pretty freaking hardcore to get up at like two or three a.m climb a freaking mountain in the dark. You know what I'm saying? In the so cold. when are we going to see the Gary Caton photograph NFTs? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is something I'm really psyched about trying. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I've been looking into blockchain quite a bit and I'm, you know, I've, I've educated myself on it quite a bit, but I'm not, I'm not quite there yeah. with like being able to load anything onto NFTs or anything, but yeah, that's an, it's an interesting idea. Um, 
I mean, you could you could technically, you know, take an election and you could load any kind of image onto the blockchain. And if you do it at an elected time, it's a talisman. It's, it's a talisman. <laughs> Digital yeah. talisman. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 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 So in theory, soon, but I don't have an exact date. Well, keep your eyes out for non-fungible yeah. token versions <laughs> of Gary's photographs that, where you can support him and his work. So we can right find your 40 to 50 page election dreamastrologer.com dreamastrologer.com and that's you have my website, a kind of a yeah. subscription service for that as well right? yeah that's right so there's a there's a there's a membership thing I, I just got together with my members last night we spent about two and a half hours talking about um i'm doing a class right now for them which is it's exclusively available to members but it's it's an intro to hermetics class you know and we nice. were going over the first lesson and um yeah it's just it's a lot of fun it, you know, at some point, honestly, um, I, I'm probably gonna gonna you know the the membership has grown to such an extent that I'm probably gonna have to um, close myself off to the general public and only be able to serve my members because, especially if I'm ever gonna get any writing done, um, sure. it's just crazy, man. So. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm happy you're here with us and sharing your wisdom. With yeah, us yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think always, a lot of people will benefit from your. Yeah, your I always enjoy spending time with you. So you know, yeah. when you when you when you said let's get up, I remember we did we did like a video live at Glack that one time. I think and that was cool. That, that was, was true. That, that was my first foray into the interview format so you and, and Ann ortley and like uh, you know, some other folks at glock with uh you know achutabava and all those folks that was me getting my feet wet with the uh you did good man i enjoyed it yeah yeah now it i got fun. this fancy microphone and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been quite a journey Very okay long. so visit gary caton at dreamastrologer.com sign up for his uh magical election membership program if, if there's spots available if you uh, want to support his photography work, make sure that you are respecting his, uh, you know, copyright with that and getting in touch with him specifically if you want to share one of those photographs because it takes a lot of hard work. And uh, just one last thing: Are you still podcasting, or is, how? Oh yeah, definitely. Hermetic the... Astrology Podcast yeah. is uh, it's basically bi-monthly. Um, you know, I started that in 2008 as the Goddess Astrology Podcast, and then yeah. I did eight years of service to the goddess because Venus was my dream, you know, and uh, and uh, and then I rebranded to Hermetic Astrology Podcast, and I wrote a book on Mercury, so, you know. Uh, that's that, the other thing I wanted to t turn people on to. Tell us about your book, because that is a, a wonderful contribution to the astrological community. Thank you, you brother. Do you, have it, yeah. do you have it with you? Yeah, I've got one yeah. over here on the bookshelf. Let me grab it show people this is one that i consecrated on a nice a magical time but um it's hermetica triptica uh so that's that means there's three volumes there's only one in existence this is volume one <laughs> the other two are still in my head some some halfway between my head and print at this point well the second one is um but this one is called the mercury elemental year and it is it's about the concept that Mercury spends more time in one element in any given calendar, and not necessarily calendar year, but most calendar years, Mercury will spend more time in one particular element than it will in all the other elements combined yeah. because of the back and forth motion of, of retrogrades. And um, this is really profound. And so what that means is that 
you know, the, the year you were born, Mercury was spending more time in a particular element and then each year. And so that, that comes out to like a six to seven year cycle. So last year and this year, we have Mercury spending way more time in the air element. And what's interesting about that, like I did a blog for TMA for the Mountain Astrologer on this. Take a look at the year Bitcoin came out, 2009. That was a Mercury elemental year of air. Then Ethereum came out six, seven years later. And then last year we had the big NFT boom. So you can see these themes, these collective themes arise every six to seven years when this element gets accentuated. and, uh, and it's really profound. And then what happens is, so six to seven years, it comes back to the same element. And then there are 12 of those returns over the course of a 79-year life cycle. And so each time that Mercury returns to the element of the year of your birth, it represents like an alchemical purification of, of, of your soul. Like it's, it's a developmental cycle, in other words. And so the thing that I'm most proud of is the last chapter is about that. It's about following these returns as a developmental cycle and, and as a um, as a sort of evolutionary growth uh, of your soul. And yeah, it's it's really it's really profound stuff. Yeah, you're my go-to for all things Mercury slash Hermes. <laughs> so I, I always I've been hitting you up in the DMs on various places to be like, hey, what what do you think about this? What's Hermes doing right here? So, I'm, I'm happy to be the Mercury man. <laughs> and, and that, that book is through Rebato Press, is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, Which I'm a huge fan of. I want to make a sh- huge shout out to Aaron Cheek because I'm actually a huge Aaron Cheek fan. That guy, right on. Yeah, knows, yeah, yeah. That guy knows his stuff. So Not just have, that, but he makes a damn fine oh, book. I mean, They're beautiful. They're works of art. It right? even feels good. It's yeah. like, God, I mean, even the, the, te- the, the, uh, the, the um, what do you call it? The, um, uh, geez. It just feels good. It touched the, the, the uh, what is the word? I can't think of the word anyway, but it feels good when you touch it. It looks good. Great cover. I mean, this is all the stuff that I, I can write a book, but I can never do any of this. And so, yeah, he does a fantastic job. He's got Demetra George's right. first volume out and the second volume's coming. He's got a lot of other people on the, on the, um, Esoteric he's really and, into and hermeticism, occult. right? He's yeah, really, he's kind of a, he has a doctorate, I believe. In Alchemy, it. yeah, you know, yeah, it's a pretty hardcore occult, esoteric press, really, more than astrology. But I'm gonna um, keep singing his praises because if I ever write a book, I hope that Aaron Cheek will, <laughs> will release it for me. <laughs> I bet you Aaron hopes he's able to find some time to do it. He's an incredibly sure. busy guy. Um, but yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So where's and, the best place to find that book that you, well, you can the get most it from Rubito and Rubito, you know, he's in New Zealand. And so at first it was a little bit difficult. Shipping was a little bit prohibitive, but I'm pretty sure he can ship from the U S now. So it's not necessarily, you know, it is on Amazon. If people do Amazon, you know, it is there so you can get it there. Um, and, uh, I used to be able to get, but I only have two copies left and mine, they're both personal copies. So well, I actually, I have, have a signed copy. With, I have a signed yeah, copy. There yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I try there, to so. keep some around so I can sign them for people. And every once in a while, when there's an interesting alignment, I'll go through 
and I'll consecrate like a, a limited series of books or whatever, but I'm actually, I need to get in touch with Aaron and say, send me some books, man. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. So check out Gary's book, check out his website, Dream Astrologer, uh, support the work that he's doing. Um, and again, thank you for joining us here today. I, yeah, you, thanks you're for one of the, the, I think one of the really interesting figures in our, in our field doing some work that is unique so i really enjoy your perspective i am nothing if not unique sir <laughs> i appreciate you recognizing that. okay so i am looking at the chat box here we've got some wonderful people joining us here we have lisa coming from new york hannah is here i believe from new missouri right if i'm remembering that correctly hannah nice. another wonderful astrologer susanna is joining us from finland Tabby Cat Benson, hello uh, from San Diego, California. Remco is here from the Netherlands. Lynn is here from Vermont. Fion is here from Ireland. Dimphy from the Netherlands. And another Finland alumni, Tarja, is here as well. So I hope that, I, we, like I said, we have an international crew awesome. that comes out yeah. for us, and it's a lot of fun. So I thank you all for joining us. Today. from the Netherlands, man. Nice. On my mother's side, yeah. Nice. So the end of our, our little uh, business thing here is that I also have something coming up in the hopper. I have my Decans of uh, Aquarius webinar that's coming up on February the 12th, which is a Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, I'm going to be doing a deep dive on the, you know connecting the tarot to the Decans as well as the fixed stars and the mythology. So if you're interested in the things that we're talking about today, that you can get an even more in-depth look at some of that through the webinars that I'm doing. You can sign up. There's a link to sign up in the, the uh, description of this video or check out my website, spencermichaud.com. And I want to say, if you're enjoying the work that we're doing here today, there are a number of ways that you can support us. The first thing that you can do is just, we're just so happy that you're here with us, is hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. If you'd like to make a material donation to the show today, there's a little dollar sign in the chat box. That's called a super chat or a super sticker. We already had a nice donation from Lisa. Thank you so much, Lisa, for that today. Or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. And really what you're doing is buying people like me and Gary the, the gift of time to do this research that we're doing. And that is really a huge gift for the type of work that we do um, because it allows us this, the headspace to be able to not have to worry too much about our material reality so that we can go dive into these liminal spaces that we'll talk about today and then hopefully <laughs> deliver something of value to you. So you're supporting that work by, by doing that. So thank you so much, everyone who is supporting us here today. Okay, Gary, that's what I think we, that's our business for the day. Awesome. Um, should we dive in? Thank you, Susanna, so much for the super chat. I appreciate that. Uh, should we dive into the chart here? I'm going to pull up the chart. We're going right to, Gary and I are going to go back and forth uh, with sharing our screen here and share some various things. So what I'm going to do is I'm first going to pull up the chart of the new moon in Aquarius. Can you see that, Gary? Yes, sir. Now that I got my glasses on. <laughs> so we've so got February 1st, 2022, at 12.46 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, we have a new moon that's happening at 12 degrees of Aquarius in the second decan of Aquarius. Saturn is co-present, heading towards the Kazemi of Saturn at 15 degrees a few days later. Uh, and we have a separating square of this lunation from Uranus. So, wow, look at that. It's like it's like partile conjunct the MM Koali there almost, isn't it? Yeah, this in, is in Ypsilanti. In Ipsy it is. So we'll see what wow. what happens you here know, in Ipsy. It's too bad that the sun or the moon don't have any dignity there because if they did, that would be a mad that would be a mad Kazemi talisman. Yep, we'll see. 
Yeah, we'll see. But that's pretty rare to have this, the exact new moon on an angle. Yeah. Hard yeah. to get. Yeah, you work with um, Aries Ingress charts as well, right? Right. Uh, you, I've seen some really great articles that you've written about, uh, you know, figuring out what the season is going to be like based on the ingress of a planet at one of the the turnings, right? The either yeah. the, uh, at the, I believe the solstices and the equinoxes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You do the Aries ingress, and then if it's a fixed sign on the ascendant, that's it. That's all you have to do. So okay. if this were one of these ingress charts, this chart would be good for the year. Okay. And then if it's a mutable sign, you do it again for Libra. If it's a um, if it's a cardinal sign, you do it for all four. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so getting the little uh, mundane the little mundane tips and tricks, right? Yeah, it's interesting because um, you know Mars was really active in uh, in that last chart that we had for for last year, last year's ingress, and that what it did have a fixed sign rising. Yeah, and it had Mars in the fourth, and Mars is often known as the end of the matter. And if you think about it, the end of the matter because the first house is like the the first thing that rises over the horizon, right, the eastern horizon. And then the 10th house culmination, 7th house, the setting, and then the 4th house is the last of the four angles. Right. So it represents the end of the matter in that it's kind of like the, the final, you know, thing. And so, yeah, with, and so now we see, you know, there's some Mars activity going on in the socio-political arena. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, we had an, a really active Mars in that chart. And Mars, we're going to be talking more about Mars here in a minute, so... So uh, what do you think, Gary, is the, the best beginning resource for learning mundane astrology and about ingress charts in particular? Because I think that's something that I always like asking folks is what, what kind of books that they like to learn from the, these types of things? Uh, so, well, like uh, website-wise, uh, Deb Holdings' website, Skyscript, Mm-hmm. If you type in Skyscript Ingress, she has a really good, like, just basic primer okay. right there on her website. Nice. That's really good. And then um, I guess the definitive work on that was, you know, Abu Masar. I think Ben Dykes did a translation of that. Um, but, Is that you the, know, the green one or the purple one? <laughs> he does all these great <laughs> colors. Is it in the great introduction or... I just have a number of these here on my shelf. Yeah, I'm not remembering which one it is at the moment, okay. man. So Abu Mushar, um, Ben Dykes, Abu Mushar, Masha Allah, those cats, okay. those you know that era of astrology with mm-hmm. the Persian era, you know, which it 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 went from you know Greece or, or Hellenistic Egypt really over into um, over into Persia, and these cats they came up with solar returns, they came up with ingress charts, they 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 innovated, you know. Right. And then they passed it back. And so, yeah, that's that's a wonderful kind of um, part of our tradition. The Abu Masar also did a bit a book on the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions, which I think, I don't think Ben has translated that one, which well, I wish he would. Just give him a little bit of time. That guy's a, he's a, he's a machine. <laughs> like, I don't know how he does it. That's uh, Yeah, seriously. He's, he's one of the hardest working translators I've, I think I've ever seen. So he, he pumps out a book every few months here. Wow. Um, and such a, uh, yeah, that's a really great contribution that he's making to the astrological community as well. And I wanted to give a shout out here to Monica. Thank you, Monica, for the super chat. I really appreciate your support. Okay. So f- 
people in the the kind of the Arabic tradition kind of were innovating, right, with some of the Aries ingresses charts. And we're talking about mundane astrology, seeing how as a collective, we might uh, experience something from a specific location. I wanted to point that out, that yes. it is from a specific location. So you Usually can see the that, capital city, yeah. Right, yeah. so this chart is definitely something that we saw from my location of Ypsilanti, Michigan. But if we were looking at like for America in particular, maybe we would do Washington DC potentially because it's the capital of the country. Um, and then like for our international folks to check out what is going on in your country for the, the uh, around the spring equinox, you would use your particular capital location for your country. Okay. Um, so yeah, cause I want to, I want to make sure that we don't talk too, too, uh, complex uh and, and make it make sure we're keeping some of this accessible <laughs> like for, yeah, yeah yeah um all right so gary what do you think some some big picture thoughts about this particular new moon in general and kind of all the things we see happening in this chart and what we might expect moving forward right so while well, we have the saturn kazemi which is um coming up shortly after the this new moon so the new moon is is well, it's in the middle deacon of uh, of Aquarius, right? And um, and it's in uh, I guess it's in the bounds. It looks like it's in the bounds of Jupiter. Venus. There, I think it's uh, Venus terms. Venus terms, okay. Um, oh well. Are you using the Egyptian? Yeah, well, yeah. So maybe on this chart it, it does look like Jupiter, but it's I... just just shy of Jupiter's bounds, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah last degree of venus's bounds yeah so when you have the bounds of a benefit that definitely so you know the fact that it's there with saturn and saturn has rulership in aquarius that's a little bit harsh actually right saturn can yeah. be kind of a you know taskmaster and stuff but what but when you're in the bounds of a benefit it kind of softens that a little bit um and so there's that's nice that we've got the um Venus bounds there, um, but that Saturn presence kind of, you know, is unavoidable in the sense that there's, you know, limits and boundaries, restrictions, you know, um, cold, man. I mean, it's been really cold. I, I can't even imagine how cold it's been there in Michigan. It's eight degrees right now. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> single digits. It's very cold. No, there's this really cold isolating quality that comes with Aquarius. And I don't know if, you know, people really don't think, you know, you hear all of this new agey stuff about brotherhood and sisterhood and the age of Aquarius and stuff, but it's like, when it's really cold and nasty, yeah, it can be very isolating. Um, yeah, yeah I, I feel as I've started learning uh, Aquarius, you know, traditional perspectives, I don't necessarily think it's uh, this happy sunshine, like, you know, <laughs> type of place. I think it's a difficult spot. And I think that um, there is opportunities for some very interesting changes that could take place, you know, within Aquarius. But from, you know, from my research with the Deccans and with the Tarot, it seems to me like it's a place, number one, of leaving behind the past, of leaving. You know, yeah. saying, hey, it's time to move on. It's yeah. not necessarily, I think the, the New Age movement will focus on where are we going? The Jetsons, you know, like, and, <laughs> but, but I think that really the key is 
it's like, well, what are you leaving behind? What what is ending? Because Saturn, you know, really right. has a lot to do with endings. Right. I also there's a book that I really like by Joy Usher called The Tiny Universe. I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but mm. she's really great. This this book is about the theme of Mundi, mm. and she talks about Saturn in Aquarius and Aquarius in general as being an intellectual sign, but it's about the limits not the physical limits, but the intellectual limits. And she compares it to a glass ceiling where we may have a certain narratives where we only let certain information in. Yes. And I've seen that as, as Saturn's going through Aquarius, we have these different echo chambers of information where there's only, oh yeah. you know what I'm saying? Where we're only yeah. allowing a certain amount in. Yeah. And no matter which end of a political spectrum it's on, it's like everyone has their, their narrative yeah. and and I think that everyone's trying to figure out how do we control the narrative. And to yeah. me, that makes a lot of sense with, with Aquarius yeah. and Saturn. You know? Yeah, and you have to remember, Saturn is the, is the diurnal, um, you know, Saturn is the uh, trigon lord of Aquarius in the diurnal chart as well, right? So, in, in, so daytime ruler as well. Right. Whereas Mercury rules the, the air triplicity by night. And the difference there is like, think about like in the daytime, there's all of these assumptions that everybody shares that are, um, that we don't even think about, you know, yeah. and there's that, you know, and that's the Saturn, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of cultural assumptions. There's a whole lot of, um, legal assumptions that we had better be paying attention to, you know, um, whereas at night things are a little bit more free form you know especially in your dreams right so you so you can see mercury as the triplicity ruler of aquarius at night shows you that that re mental rigidity that saturn represents that you were just talking about of like echo chambers and pre-existing notions that you know we reality is so exceedingly weird we, we cannot we cannot actually handle reality so we have all of these structures, these mental structures in order to keep reality at bay. Right. And that's what you're talking about. And I think that particularly pertains to Saturn as the as the as the um, daytime triplicity ruler with with the nighttime, with a nocturnal environment and and nocturnal environment, even in terms of, like you said, as creative people, if we can sequester ourselves away in our little, you know, and, and not not be subject to those you know, laws and rules and restrictions, we, we get a little more freedom, we get a little bit more of that mercury, that nocturnal, because you can be in a nocturnal environment sequestered away, without it being nighttime, see? Right? right. Yeah, yeah. So no, that's a really good point about Aquarius. Yeah, there, it's a very, yeah, it's a very interesting part of it that that I think a lot of people don't realize how much how much effort we expend keeping reality at bay. Yeah, it's a well, and it's it's difficult now because there's so much noise that we're constantly being inundated with um, as we try to navigate these digital spaces. And when you have, you know, basically everybody having a platform and a bullhorn, it can be overwhelming. Yeah, and it can be hard sure. to navigate what what is the consensus reality? Because I actually think, you know, I've, I was reading uh, Charles Obert's book about the seven classical planets, and I, I really like the way that he draws on some of the classical source texts to talk about how Saturn is 
both a boundary planet, but also it is a the the blueprint that is very much connected with Jupiter as the demiurge that is creating and begetting from those sort of like platonic forms. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. In the in the in the tree of life, you know, um, or the stairway to heaven, <laughs> whichever way you want to look at it. Saturn is the next sphere down from the fixed stars, you know, and so right. and, and it's only, you know, it's the third sphere, right? You have the monad yeah. and then the, the second sphere, the fixed stars, and then you have Saturn. And so Saturn is literally at that threshold of, you know, it's in the supernal triangle is, is the technical term for. And so, yeah, it absolutely is a place of, you know, of um, creative energy for sure. No right. doubt about it. And then one, one other thought that I wanted to bring into this is that my understanding of Saturn, and I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, the difference between Saturn and Capricorn versus Aquarius being a lot of the authors I've been reading talk about Saturn in Capricorn about being what is inside the boundary of Saturn, whereas Aquarius is what is outside and yes. in exile or something yes. of that nature. Yes, the exile is a very, very key part of because as you said, Aquarius is about moving on. So if you just look at it from point of view of the um, of an agricultural calendar, mm -hmm. you know the Capricorn season is is post. It's the hangover season, right? You had the the parties, Christmas parties, and all that, and now it's like shit, man. I got to get back <laughs> on my diet. I got to get back yeah. to work. I got to get back. You know, I got to get my shit together. And forgive the French, but I think SH is a pretty mild explanation um, no, these days. Um, and, and then, you know, and so, and then when we get to Aquarius, it's like, assuming we've got our SH back together somewhat, it's like, okay, okay, now I remember what I was doing. Okay, I'm back in rhythm, but, but what else is there? Because last year, you know, let's just say in agricultural terms, last year I planted, you know, beans in this field and I, and I had the cow in that field and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, what do I want to do this? What do I want to do differently? So it's about innovation. It's about um, possibilities, right? Because the because spring is coming, yeah. Um, and but it's also you know Capricorn is the walled city. It's it's what happens. It's the nocturnal domicile of Saturn. Right. Nocturnal domicile being like I said, sequestered, closed away the, within the city walls. Aquarius is outside the city walls, and there was one of two. You were, you were outside the city walls for one of two reasons. Either you were you know an explorer or you were in exile, you know, <laughs> like either way, you know, it's not necessarily a comfortable place. I can tell you as, you know, the having experienced being homeless when I was in my twenties, fortunately for me, it was when I was in my twenties and I was a lot more equipped to handle it in a lot of ways. Um, but that experience of exile is, uh, is very profound. And I think it's something that you know, when I hear people talking this new age kind of stuff about Aquarius, the first thing I think is like, yeah, let me see you spend a year homeless and then tell me all about, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's that quality of exile. There's that quality of um, dwelling on the or dwelling in the hinterlands. And that that's where um, innovation comes from. You have to sure. get outside of what the known right. into the into the hinterlands to innovate. You have to. 
Well, it's kind of not be by not being a part of the consensus reality, you can see how the game is played and Absolutely. potentially be able to make adjustments uh, up to the rules themselves. So, I mean, I think that the other thing that we see with Saturn and Jupiter together is that there's, you know, they are lawmakers, right? They are the, the, the agreements. And I think of laws, they're not just the physical government laws, but they're also just the laws that we agree upon as a shared reality, right? So you were talking about, you know, being inside the castle walls with Saturn and Capricorn, and, you know, we're preparing through our rest period, right, for a return in the spring. And we, we ended a lot of things at the Capricorn turning. And now we're, it's like a gestation. And, and I think that that's important to talk about, about the day that we see here is February 1st, which is associated with a cross holiday called Emok. Um, so tell us, you know, we were talking about this earlier in the prep for this. Tell me a little bit more about Emok and that, and that cross holiday and what we should expect around that and what happened traditionally around that time. Right. So that's traditionally, it's, it's like a, um, it's like a Celtic fire festival. They have eight of them, you know? So, um, or sorry, I guess the four cross quarter were the, were the, were the fire festivals. Um, and then, you know, nowadays it's really more a, a part of the neo-pagan you know, wheel of the year kind of thing. But, um, you know, the, the goddess that's associated with this traditionally is uh, Brigid. Right. She's the goddess of uh, sacred flame. And um, so there's the, there's this sense of like, oh, the days are getting longer. I can already see it where I'm at. Like it's getting dark a little later and, and light a little earlier. It's it's still really cold, so that's not it's not like um, it's making a huge difference. But there's a, a I believe that word in bulk or means in the belly, right? So there's mm -hmm. this there's this there's sort of this pregnant the 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 earth is pregnant with this new light that is that is you know um, potentially kind of be here, but but it's not here yet, you know kind of thing. So there's this sort of pregnant waiting period where we're, um, you know, looking forward to spring. We can sense that it's coming, even though it's not here yet, you know? And um, yeah, I, I think it's a still a point of evaluation, right? Where we don't necessarily have to make the moves yet. We just have to start conceptualizing them idealistically, right? And I love how you're talking about in the belly because in some of the emulk research I was doing, they were talking about that that word was related to the pregnant ewes that would give birth, like the, the sheep that would give birth at the spring. Um, and, and they actually, like in some uh, celebrations, they considered it part of the beginning of spring, which was sort of confusing to me as far as like that and then the relationship to the solstice. But maybe they had a different way of conceptualizing time around that period. But it, Yeah, because they also saw Samhain as the beginning of the year, you know, right, right. Um, and Samhain being the, the, the cross quarter holiday in, in Scorpio, you know, which is interesting because, you know, um, that that deacon in the middle of Scorpio is ruled by the sun in the descending Chaldean order system anyways. Right. Um, and so it, it's, it's and, and, and in the Golden Dawn system, all of the middle deacons of the fixed signs are associated with the sixes of the of the respective suits 
Mm -hmm. So the, the cardinal signs, you have the minor arcana associated with the cardinal signs are the two, three, and four. And then the fixed signs are the five, six, and seven. Okay. So that middle decan would be the six. And, um, and the six in the Kabbalah is, and I'm using Kabbalah with a Q here, right? right. Kabbalah the, the Hermetic is originally Kabbalah. A, a Jewish mystery, you know, um, that's with a K. And then it became Christianized, you know, Kabbalah with a C, and then it became Hermeticized, if that's even a word, sure. by the Golden Dawn and whatnot. With it, and they used a Q, um, and and so they uh, Mathers, you know, McGregor Mathers, who wrote it's a vo volume called Book T. He associated these um, these middle decans with the six, and that in 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 the Kabbalah that is. Um, associated with the sphere of the sun because the sun is you know you hear remember that tv show third rock from the sun yeah well the sun is the sixth sphere from the one <laughs> right. Right. remember how we were talking about you know you have the monad mm -hmm. and then you have the second sphere is the fixed star and then the third sphere is saturn fourth sphere is jupiter fifth sphere is mars and then you have um Tifereth. Which yeah, is I'm, I'm gonna pull, I'll pull that up. I actually do have a picture of this. So to here, can you see that? So yeah. there's our Kabbalistic tree of life that we're talking yeah. about here. Yeah. And so to, to, there's a few things about that. You notice that the sixth sphere is in the middle column. So it's not on either of the extremes. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's about balance. Right. Um, and it specifically it's balance between Chesed, which is Jupiter, mercy, mm -hmm. and Gabra, which is Mars, severity. Right. And and so, and now, you know, I'm not Jewish, so I'm only speaking in terms of, you know, what I what I've read. Um, but my understanding is that, you know, they literally saw it as the right and the left hand of God. Mm -hmm. That God is merciful and loving and 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 in fact protects you from your folly a lot of the time you know and that's that's the jupiter that's the chess head and then every once in a while god says you know what you're not listening <laughs> so and and rather than rather than being cruel and punishing god actually just steps back and says you know what i'm going to withhold my protection mm -hmm. and let you experience the natural consequences of your own actions so you're hurting yourself when you when when it when it hurts when the severity the severity is not God punishing you it's you being being running into the natural karma of your own actions. Yeah, this is something that I came face to face with over the past few weeks. I got this book called Tarot and the Gates of Light by an author named Mark Horn, and it was doing the. Um, are you familiar with counting the Omer practice? So this is a, a, it was a Jewish practice or a mystical Kabbalistic Jewish practice of like um, comparing Sephira and being able to, it was mimicking the release of slavery of the Jewish people from Egypt. And mm -hmm. in, in this book, he was using different tarot cards to uh, compare the Sephira and that journey. And I'll tell you that that balance between Gabura and Hesed uh, is that's a, that's a, a heavy a hefty lesson there, right? It really is. I mean, if you've ever been a parent, I'm, I'm not even a parent, but I can definitely relate to it in terms of like when I was a counselor, 
Yeah. I was literally, I worked with children and young boys because, you know, they, they segregate the sexes for obvious reasons. Um, but, um, you know, I, you know, I, I had a specific body language that I would use to tell the boys that, okay, now, now we're in which, which place we're in. Right. When I would show up the weekend, I was in, I, I gave them the benefit of that. I showed up and Chess said, man, right. love you guys. I'm here for you. I want to have fun, but you know what? If you're not taking care of your business, then I got to be this guy that starts doing this, reminding you of all the things that you're not doing. And, it, and, and, you know, it, it was really, I was motivating them by saying, Hey, look, if you want me to be that guy, that's fun and carefree and loving and, and we, and have a good time, you've got to take care of your business. Um, Balance, you know, and, temperance. Yeah. And like, you're forcing me to withhold that, that, fun stuff from you by not taking care of your business. Right. You know, and and so I was basically motivating them with my love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and it and it worked, man, you know, and it was it was really an incredible thing to see and um and and experience. And so yeah, that's really so that's really what Tifereth as I understand it is about is being a leader, you have to know when to motivate people with the carrot and when to motivate them with the stick, sure. you know? It's like and, and, well, it's, and the there's, there's, it's the heart. It's the heart too, right? It's the heart yeah. of the whole Kabbalistic tree of life. I mean, there's one quote that I was seeing here from Mark Horn when he was talking about Tiferet in the world of Yetzirah, which is the air the air suit, right? The suit of swords. And he's talking about the intellect reaching towards beauty, you know, and that, I thought that was, wow, I thought that was really good. That's Actually, why this, yeah, that was from T. Susan Chang. associated with like uh, science and, uh, and right. uh, you know, and, and especially mystical sciences and stuff, the reaching for beauty. Yeah. 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 That's in fact, that's the, that's the translation of Tiferet, isn't it? It's beauty. It's, yeah. Beauty. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the central, it's the heart. Uh, it's compassion. You know, I, I mean, I think that there's, oh, I'm, I think that this particular Deccan being associated with Tiferet in a difficult sign like Aquarius is a, a bit of an oasis, actually. So I think that there may, you know, this, this new moon, maybe it's a bit of an oasis within a difficult time where we may be tr trying to find balance between the, the old and the new you know, heaven and earth, like Austin Kopic would say, like uh, the ideal versus the practical, um, you know, the, the person that's in exile and the person that's in the, the center. Um, and, and it's since it's a Mercury ruled Deccan, right? So it, it is, this is where it gets, it gets tricky because we've got the solar, <laughs> the solar ruled Tiferet uh, Sephira. We've got Mercury ruling the Deccan in the Chaldean system and the triplicity system in both of those, right? And we've got in a Saturn ruled sign of the zodiac. So there's lots of different planets yes. that are, who have an opinion yes. about this. Yes. But I but I really like the fact that you know with Mercury being the ruler of this face or this Deccan, that there is this communication, right? And I'll stop my share for a second. We've got this Six of Swords card here. Or we see someone being ferried across a shallow river. And remember, we have to think about this in context, Gary, right? Because we have, uh, we first had five of swords, Gabura, that you were talking about, right? Or we had some kind of conflict and maybe some sort of 
even intellectual defeat. Winners and losers and all that stuff. Yeah. And we're heading towards the Seven of Swords, the last decade of Aquarius, where we're finally leaving the known behind. And we're saying, all right, I guess it's just, it's time to go. The, the, the Saturnian clock <laughs> is, is ringing. But here, it's that middle space where we're in the process of leaving that past behind, aren't we? Yeah, the ferryman is a classic mercurial figure, right? Right. Right. A lot of people interpret that card because there's rough water on one side and smooth water on the other, leaving yeah. troubles behind. Yeah. Leaving, you know, um, you know, that that deacon is my rising. Mm -hmm. It's my horoscopos. And yeah. and uh and I have uh I have a lot of experience with those kind of moves, you know. Um, you know, I moved several times you know uh well i mean i i mean i took off out west and and was wandering all over the place when i first um and that's how i came to my dream and everything and then um i've moved several times you know to for for school and and for um and for personal reasons and whatnot and that um like that i so there's almost like a a danger of a the grass is always greener energy there of like yeah. if you just move things are going to get better and it's not necessarily true because notice the swords are in the boat yeah they're carrying their troubles with them even as they leaving that's a good point you know what i'm saying yeah. so you know and and the one interesting thing that that um that i've learned about this card is through um Robert Place. Oh yeah, nice. Alchemical tarot. Mm -hmm. He has an image here, and you can see that the swords, rather than being in the boat, are in the sky. Right. Which is interesting. And there's here's, a here's a comparison we've got here yeah. between and the there's a um, and the yeah. the alchemical tarot. Alchemical place. Yeah. Okay. And there's a there's a divine breeze blowing in the. Um, it, you can see up up here in the corner. There's a breeze. The persona. That's the anima mundi personified. The breeze is blowing the ship. Mm -hmm. Now the ship is sailing in the in the same direction as the swords. Okay. Right. So as long as the ship, as long as the the uh, steers steers person of the ship is accepting that loving, gentle breeze that the Anima Mundi is providing, those ships pose no danger. Those swords pose no danger. But as soon as that person tries to tack against that wind, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, and that's, you know, don't, don't I mean, paddle upstream right, right now, right? Go with the current, know, right? Yeah. And, and that's, a, I mean, that sounds like so simple and easy, but it, you know, my experience, it's, it's hard. really hard to do because it's hard to, it's hard to, um, you, we're not trained to think of a loving guiding principle behind our lives, right. you know? We're, you know, it's not, you know, we're trained to think of, you know, you know, the, you know, capitalism and the, the Protestant work ethic and all that. We're, we're trained to think of like this, this harsh reality constantly imposing on us, you know, yeah. but this, and so, and so, you know, if you don't really have a conception of a loving, gentle breeze guiding you, how, you know, you're, you're going to perceive it potentially as this exterior heavy-handed force and you're going to be like giving it the middle finger <laughs> right and it's really trying to help you man you yeah. know 
that's I got to tell you, it's one of the most difficult lessons, uh, life lessons that I've ever encountered is learning like when I'm actually fighting my own best interests, just be, just from just because I've gotten so used to being obstinate. Surrendering, <laughs> surrendering right? Surrender. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And surrendering, That's... surrendering to, you know, because surrendering to a greater plan, a bigger plan, like it's not right. just about like, you know, that's one thing that, um, you know, is also a danger in magic is like, we get so caught up in like what we want and we're using our will to create what we want. But what about what the gods want? What right. about what the, what the collective wants and needs? And there's, there's bigger things at work than us. And sometimes we have to get out of the way and just let something move us. Sure. And that's, you know, and that, and that, and, you know, that's a really difficult thing sometimes. Um, well, that seems to be the greatest gift of Aquarius, right? Is maybe, maybe on some level getting out of our own ego's way to allow the winds of the divine to help move us to a new place that may be better than the one we had even envisioned, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I, so I, I found this so interesting as far as just the you know, thinking of Aquarius as even though it's a fixed sign, it's it's a transition point. It's the halfway point between what we were dealing with at the solstice and then at the upcoming equinox. It's like a okay, let's check in. Where are we at? Where are we going between these turning points, right? And I think that you know, I, I think it's easy for us to get involved with saying we always have to be doing something. And I think that one of the things that I've learned over the course of my life is that I agree with you. The, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. <laughs> and, and also that there is a time for gestation. If we bring it back to Emolk, right? There is a time for the pregnant possibilities, you know, like as a, if you were, you know, I, I can't speak from personal experience here. I've never been pregnant with a baby, but I've been pregnant with a creative project. Right. And I know sure. that there is there is a, a time where it's not ready to come out yet, and you're still taking in nutrients to feed what that is going to eventually become. And I really think that this new moon, it has a lot to do with that cycle of the process, that part of the process that we're going through here. Okay. And, and here, I want your opinion on this. I, I, there's different authors that call this the river sticks or the river lathe. L-E-T-H-E. -E. So we've got this, the, the river of death or the river of forgetfulness. There's a, there's a meditation for you. Yeah. What are we dealing with here? Maybe both. Well, if you're a, um, you know, if you're, a, if you're a, an Orphic or a, um, you know, they, they wanted to drink from the river of Nemocene memory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a whole thing, you know, in the Orphic tradition after, you know, when you reach the afterlife, um, you know, most, most people before they reincarnate, they drink from the memory, the river of forgetfulness because, um, but if you, if you want to remember all you've learned and come back, like, think about this for a second. I always think that like, there's no way in the world you could be an astrologer without probably having done something like that in a past life, because there's so much to learn. Like, how could you learn it all in one lifetime, man? Yeah. And so if you want to, if you want to carry those gifts from the previous life forward, you know, they would say, um, you know, the, the password was 
I am a child of earth and the starlit sky. So there's like this above and below, and, th and that would get them passage to drink from the memory of, of um, or drink from the river of Nemesine of memory, you know? Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to be a true Aquarius and yeah, say yeah, yeah. neither of those options, man. <laughs> okay. It's the river of memory. That's why I ask. <laughs> and you, you bring up a great point because let's say, it is all of those rivers at the same time. Exactly. Maybe. That's what it is. Yeah. If we drink from that river of forgetfulness, trying to release the old narrative, we may be doomed to repeat the same mistakes that we made before. So we can still leave behind the old life, the old nar narrative, the old time. But if we bring with us some of the knowledge that we learned from experience, maybe we can go on to a new journey, a new lesson, exactly, a new yeah, something, yeah, right? Because sure. you see this here, he's bringing with him some of the swords as he leaves the past behind. He's bringing his wisdom with him. And this is what we're going to get to at that full moon that we're going to see. The sun's going to be in Aquarius 3 here, where we're probably finally saying, hey, well, maybe it's time to go. And what did <laughs> I learn? And what do I have to let go of? Remember, we talked about the narratives of Saturn and Aquarius. Which of those is your glass ceiling that isn't helping you to move on in your life and which of the things are actually helpful that are helping you to learn from that old experience as well right yeah 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 you gotta love it man that's awesome yeah and i i love that you are uh the see there is a great synchronicity involved in asking you to come on the show today <laughs> because you have the ascending sign sign right in this decade so you're you've lived this liminal space and i think that you know observing your work over the years you you have a very unique perspective and you're sort of you're part of the astrological community but you're also sort of on the the fringe you know i don't belong to any yeah, like right? particular school like i'm yeah. not an evolutionary astrologer i'm not right. a i'm not a what i call a classical astrologer because i think traditional astrology is astrology with your face yeah. yeah i don't belong to any of the i've done i've done a little bit of all of it man and i reserve the right to move on yeah, <laughs> when exactly. i'm ready to you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I don't want to get trapped in saying, oh, I'm this or I'm that, you know? I love um, that phrase. That's something that Robert Hand said in his book, Horoscope, Horoscopic Symbols or Horoscope Symbols back in 1981, was I reserve the right to change my mind. And he did. And like, you know I, love, yes, he I did. love when people say that because yeah. why would we get fixated on a part of ourselves that is only has a certain amount of wisdom available to us based on that experience that's what we got to, right now but that's right. what it is and right. then we, if you're going to keep growing right then you've got to move on at some point so it. yeah exactly it, <laughs> okay I'm, I'm taking a look at the chat here gary just getting getting caught up here um we've got some good points i'm going to read over some of these comments here nat's joining us from the uk amara's here from new jersey thank you nat and amara for uh, joining us today, we've got another uh, Dubliner with Alicia uh, here, Alish coming uh, as well. Darren is here from England. Hello, Darren. Rachel is also here from Ireland. Um, Alicia is saying, Eilish, I think that's how I say it. Ireland just made uh, February 1st a public holiday from 2023. Now all four cross holidays are public holidays in Ireland. That's awesome. Yeah, right that's on. Yeah. Cool. Rachel saying Bridget is a really important figure in Ireland, and I believe Rachel is from Ireland as well. I love this time of year, still very dark, uh, but something definitely happening. Yes, and, that, and we're going to see that in the I Ching that I pulled is, is kind of like the first stirrings of something under the ground, but still kind of like it's still frozen, but you've got a little bit of energy starting to build, right? 
Uh, Rachel says the ancient Celtic calendar is very tuned into the seasons as they are felt and the energies they hold. Uh, Susanna is talking about the Handel tarot deck where the Bridget of Ireland portrays the Princess of Cups. That's interesting. I, I'm not familiar with that deck, but um, I love that there's all these different uh, stories that are infused into these different decks. Okay. Um, and then we've got a number. I can't read through all of them today. Thank you so much for participating in the chat, everyone. This is a very active chat. <laughs> we've got a lot of great people in the in the audience today who are very intelligent folks with a lot of great things to add. Um, and, but Remco does bring up a point, Remco from the Netherlands, about talking about mythology. How does Phobos, the daimon or spirit, come into the picture? And I think that's a great that's a great lead into talking about that part of this. Um, so, Gary, my understanding of Phobos is that it basically translates to fear, and the but specifically the panic, which stir, which I believe this is in. Austin's book. He says the panic which sets men to rout in battle. So this panic, disorderly, undisciplined retreat after they freak out that they're like, oh no, we're outnumbered. And it's just this like ah, you know, everybody running in a in a panic direction. Um, but it, but the key is is the retreat part of it. It's not that they're like standing their ground, sort of like the seven of swords or seven of wands card. Sorry, they're like ah, oh, we're out of here. So what, what do you think about Phobos in, in mythology and, and how that might play into our um, new moon experience? Is that, is that, are you saying somebody has associated that with this particular decan? Yeah, this, this was in 36 heirs of the Zodiac and right, the cosmos okay. of Jerusalem. They associated this decan with Phobos. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, being a Saturn ruled sign, I mean, anytime you're in Saturn's presence, there's going to be a certain amount of anxiety. Um yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure where that's coming from exactly, so it's hard, but but yeah, that, just what you said, you know, the, uh, military, you know, adventures are all based on, on discipline and order, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you know, when, when, when your, when your strategy breaks down, you know, that, that discipline and order breaks down, bad things happen, yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, if there's going to be a retreat, you have to retreat in an orderly manner so that you have a rear guard and, and, and you can, and the, the, you know, the part of the army that you want to get away is able to get away. And otherwise, you know, it's just inviting disaster. Sure. Um, and so that, that's what courage is really. Mm-hmm. Courage is the ability to pause with that, that initial awakening of, oh shit, right? <laughs> We're in a bad spot. Yeah. And your, your animal, your, you know, the, the, the your animal response is fight, fight, or f- fight, flight, or freeze. Right. 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 So the flight response has to be suspended temporarily in order to gather yourself, gather your wits and gather your, your forces. So that you can, you know, and, and it's when it's when the it's when the 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 panic takes over and you're being ruled by just this animal flight, you know, just wild, you know, it in a one-on-one situation, sure. Like if there's a a a, a you know a panther charging from like a <laughs> fucking run, right. man, you know, right. or yeah. climb a tree or whatever, you know, yeah. like 
Yeah, like sometimes you have, but it, but in a military situation, that's not good because basically well, what, you're just going to be running into each other and, you know, inviting. Well, what I, I like about what you're bringing in there is that, you know, it feels to me like the antidote to that feeling is actually the ruler of the sign is Saturn. Yeah. And saying, being hey, able to hold. Slow down, you know, whoa, chill, like, chill out, yes, <laughs> like, relax. It's good to recognize where things, things have gone wrong. Right. And it's good to recognize, like, maybe I need to get, you know, ready to leave, but but do it in a in a controlled and orderly fashion rather than just, you know. Psh. And the other thing you don't want to do is freeze. Yeah. Yeah. So you want Saturn as in a delayed response, but you don't want Saturn as in a completely frozen response, because then you're just as much toast. It's, you know. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of just there's an experience I'm having with my family right now where we're trying to move on from some old debt that we accrued. And there is uh, the initial feeling is like, just just pay it off and be done with it and go and like, oh, I hate this. But in the there is a strategic way where it, like doing it in a certain way could be more beneficial in the long run, right? Uh, because yep. you don't know if you need your money for resources that may be coming up. You have to be strategic and disciplined about it and have good communication, Mercury ruling the deck in to figure out how you want to move forward so that you don't actually end up creating a problem from trying to move on from what you're doing. So that just that popped yeah. into my head because that, that really Perfect feels example. like what we're yeah. doing here is there's yeah. this old thing that needs to be released, but you have to have a plan. So I think it's like, this is really ducking like, hey, what's the plan? Like, you got to make a plan and it's okay to move on, but do it like you were talking about in a, in a disciplined way rather than in this Phobos panicked fear way that, that we may feel like we want to on some level with this, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's, I'm looking through my notes here. We're hitting a lot of the good points here. I was talking about the river, releasing old limiting narratives. Balancing the heart and the mind with Tiferet and Yetzirah of air. I want to ask you about Saturn and its synodic cycle. I'm going to share the screen again, unless you, you want to uh, have a, something that you'd like to share on your end. But I wanted to and tell me at any point I can switch it over here. But I wanted to ask you about Saturn and its synodic cycle and the potential also of Saturn being in, in its chariot and maybe being a little bit more immune potentially to some of the challenges of being under the beams right now. Do you have thoughts on that, Gary? Right. So anytime that a planet is in one of its dignities, uh, Schmidt taught that it's, it's like a person who's in a covered chariot. Right. So they are somewhat immune from the uh, burning rays of the sun and they can you know, if you're if you're in a covered chariot, as most of us are when we drive these days, <laughs> I don't know too many people that drive around and certainly not this time of year in uh, convertibles. But um, so, yeah, there's this idea that there's some amount of protection afforded to the planet where it, it's not consumed by the rays of the sun. And so. It reminds me of like, um, you know, the planting is the Kazemi always to me represents like a seed yeah, moment, yeah. you know, a, the, 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 the seed moment of something where the, um, a, a concept, an idea, a, 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 a small beginning, a seed form take, takes root. And so 
if a planet if planet is in its protected chariot it's as if like it's a seed it's you know that in the bible it talks about the seed can fall on you know rocky ground or it can fall on fertile ground and so it reminds me of like a seed that's able to fall on fertile ground maybe it has a little bit of protection it's in one of those you know little peat pocket things that you you know where sure. you has a little extra fertilizer or something that to, to get it going um like that and and uh yeah it's interesting the other thing that i looked at um when you mentioned wanting to talk about that is I got out my um, Robert Blaschke was a great uh, authority on sonotic cycles. And he wrote a book. Um, he wrote a series of books called astrology language of life volume five holographic transits. Mm -hmm. um, he goes through and it's interesting. So basically the way it works with Saturn is that um, it takes 29 Kazemis before it makes a complete, the conjunctions form a complete ring around the Zodiac, right? right? And then after five of these 29 year cycles, which comes out to 147 years, you'll find Saturn making a Kazemi in the, within one degree of any given place. Mm -hmm. So there, so essentially 147 from 2022 is 1875. In 1875, there was a Saturn Kazemi at 1644 Aquarius. And the, the one that's coming up is like in the last part of the 15. Yeah, I'll move the chart right. forward here so we can see. Um, so this will happen around uh, the 4th of February here. Yeah. In a mundane sense, it's it'd be interesting to look back at that. There was, um, this was, of course, the post, you know, post-Civil War period. 1875 so there was a civil rights act that was passed that year which is interesting um so you know that idea that is actually a little more consistent with the modern new age conception of of aquarius of like this brotherhood you know humanitarian kind of impulse right. um that and so yeah it seems like maybe um that 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 protection of that of being in the covered chariot can, shows up a little bit you know, in the historical record there, that there's, that there's so some. You were, so you were noticing that back in the late 1800s, which was a cycle that matched up with a similar Kazemi degree, that there was a voting rights act that allowed more access to voting. Is that correct? You know, I'd have to really, I wasn't able to look exactly what that, um, but yeah, it was, it was a civil rights act of 1875. Um, presumably there was some voting stuff in there. Um, it was probably broader than that. I would hope it was broader than that okay. um, because, you know, that was, you know, Jim Crow. There was a whole lot of things besides voting that were, yeah. um, that were problematic. Um, so, but just seeing that that's there is interesting because it does actually vibe a little bit more with the modern conception of what Aquarius is about. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I don't think we can completely dismiss some of the progressive thinking of Aquarius. I know Richard Tarnas was comparing Aquarius and Uranus and all of those things, which I don't think that Uranus is a planetary ruler of Aquarius, but there's definitely some sympathia maybe potentially between them. Right. He was comparing it to Pr Prometheus. And right. I like the Prometheus story for that because Prometheus was trying to steal fire from the gods. He was transitioning between one place and another. 
but also he suffered greatly for that gift, right? <laughs> so, so it's kind of this ostracization that Prometheus right? went through to be able to advance, you know, humanity. And, the, the, you know, I'm sure that around that period of time, there was a lot of people that were not happy about actually creating more equality. And there was probably a lot of difficulty and a lot of people that had to have the courage to speak up around that period of time. And it's really fascinating to me. And this is something that I talked a little bit on my monthly, but seeing this in context of the, what I think is one of the most important pieces of legislation in America right now in maybe 150 years is that voting rights protection so that we may continue to have a, a, a democracy. And I thought it was fascinating. I'm curious to hear some of your thoughts on this too, but I see when Saturn makes its heliacal set, I've done some research on this where some of the things start to break down in the the agreements, the laws that we have. Like So around the, the heliacal setting of Saturn, it actually was having a lot of difficulty. This particular um, uh, law was sort of stalling in Congress and things like that. And I'm curious if we see a, a pickup or a revision of this at the Kazemi, and then maybe it being signed into law as Saturn makes its heliacal morning rise. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, when we go back to that idea of, um, you know, of Tifereth being a balance between Geberah and Chesed, you know, mm -hmm. and I know I'm not saying those right. I'm totally, you know, Latinizing them. It's and, all good. So, sorry, but yeah, I feel like it would be even more form, awkward right? if, if I tried to say it the right way, it would sound yeah. even worse sure, sure. because I don't actually speak like that. So yeah. I'm aware that I'm not saying it right anyways. Um, but um but yeah, the, the political parties kind of remind me of that, like of, of the extremes of each one wanting to own one of those extremes of like, you know, the Republicans wanting to be like, oh, everybody should take care of themselves and individual responsibility and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, the Democrats being like, no, no, we really have to take care of everybody, even people who, you know, aren't citizens of our country and blah, blah, blah. And, and, um, and it's like those if those are two very extreme positions and the, and then find ha, finding some way to bring some kind of balance where yes okay you know um we do have to take care of our people and and um and yet we also have to realize there's limits to exactly how much of that we can do and if we're taking care of all kinds of people across the world that aren't even our citizens, then maybe we're not even really taking care of our citizens. You know what I'm saying? So I, I really don't, I be honest with you, I've kind of checked out from politics a little bit because of that, because it seems like the dysfunction is so, sure. the, the polarization is so extreme and the dysfunction is so obvious that I, I can't really comment on that particular thing. But I, I, all I can say is it would be very hopeful to see some kind of actual ability to do that process of governing, of, of finding some kind of middle ground and yeah. making things, important things happen, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think balance is important. I think that, I guess from my personal perspective is that I try to, it is difficult to, to watch people battle and war. And that I do have a, a, a I also have an inclination to want to check out. But I also realize that there's some people that don't have the, mm, they don't have the, the 
the ability to do that because a lot of these things may affect them in a different way than they might affect me. So I try to at least be cognizant of that and that uh, I, that I have to pay some attention so that, you know, people are being treated fairly and, and not get lost in my own world in that regard. Does, does that make sense? Because I think that's easy. Sure. It's easy sometimes to say, well, I don't want to get involved in politics if, if uh, you know, the politics don't affect you. And I, I, I so that's my gentle, gentle pushback on that, I guess. Uh, yeah, there's privilege there, of privilege. course. Privilege, right, Absolutely. exactly. You know. So, but, mm. I, but with the astrology involved here, I think it's the, the last Saturn Kazemi that we had, we had the helical setting of Saturn at, on January 6th of 2021, when we saw the, the, the chaos, the breakdown of order, right, in America, we had the, the inauguration of the new administration at the Kazemi, and then we had something with, like, I believe there were new impeachment articles that were filed when Saturn made its helical rise. So the takeaway from all that, like, is that I think that big collective changes can happen at these Saturn you know, renewals in the heart of the sun and that, that are, you know, very idealistic sometimes too. And not, we're, we're, and not everybody's going to agree on what those ideals are, but there might be, it may be the beginning of those discussions as far as like, what is fair for the most amount of people? What is balanced as far as individual responsibility versus taking care of people in the collective, right? Because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm someone who believes in temperance and, and balance. And I think that it's, something where the that's why we have the conversations sometimes right and that's why we keep it as a dialogue but one of the things i've noticed gary and this is why i like talking with you you and i don't always agree on everything politically but well, no, let me be clear i don't yeah. disagree about voting yeah. rights i i okay. support voting rights you know that's that's definitely not a problem for me but what i will um, say is I'm just saying in general i'm kind of checked out from the whole thing sure. because it's a it's like it, each side kind of misrepresents it from a polarized place and you don't act, it feels like you don't ever actually hear anything remotely resembling honesty or truth. Well, and that's, that's what we were talking about with Saturn trying to say to limit the narrative and limit the information that people get. But that's what I was going to say is that's why I like talking with you is that there is an ability, I think, to have conversations like this that try to be objective and take multiple perspectives in into account and i think that we've lost that ability to talk to one another like this and to be able to disagree or not even really disagree but just have slightly different perspectives on things and still come away with it saying you know what i respect your humanity and i respect you as a person and that's our starting point that's our foundation and i i hope that's i'm saying this because this isn't just about you and me gary this is like we're saying this for an audience where I hope that people can start to have these conversations again, rather than be in their um, Aquarian, uh, I don't know, Saturnian echo chambers where they're limiting the perspectives that they would get, right? Yeah, it's a little, it's obvious, honestly, it's a little bit, you know, even, you know, with all of the so-called, not so-called, but supposed privilege that comes with being a straight white male like myself. You know, at the same time, there's a there's a feeling that um, there's a target on my back where if I don't say the exact pre-programmed language that goes along with whatever preconceived positions that some certain crowd has, 
that they're that I'm automatically going to be labeled as the opposite of that and an enemy and a bad person and yeah and, and on the cancel list and all this other stuff you know and that may sound dramatic but I can assure you it is not so um, you know yeah, yeah it would be nice for sanity to, and to I think re-enter that, the yeah I I think that you know being in a similar position myself straight white male who is definitely had privileges in some areas of life there's there's an intersectionality around this where being privileged in one area of life does not necessarily mean that you are privileged in another area of life and i think that there's i think being able to hold some of the ambiguity around that is is important and also just treating i think that the fundamental thing that you and i can agree on is that just respecting people's humanity. I mean, that's really like the the, the Aquarius being the most humane sign, right? And while also not being afraid to say, well, maybe there's some institutional things that do that do need to change, and that do need to be examined and, and, you know, looked at. I think that I just think that those some of those things might come up in the collective around this Kazemi moment. And I guess my hope is that people can have conversations with one another in humane ways that respects each other's sovereignty while also not ignoring the the pain that one facet of the society may may not really understand too i mean that's the thing like that's part of the thing I, i'm you know i have a my partner is african american and we have a lot of conversations about her experience versus mine and how they are very different and there are certain things that she had to deal with growing up that I didn't even have to think about. Like I didn't have the conversation with my, my father about being pulled over and how I'm supposed to act if I'm pulled over. And she did like her her and her brother would have something like that, like where she remembers very vividly, this is what you have to do, you, you know? And to me, that's like an eye opener, like, wow, this is a, a completely different experience in the same environment do you know what i'm saying and, and yeah the, not to mention that you know as as men we walk around feeling safe most of the time and exactly. women rarely do you know? exactly yeah so. I, yeah i get all that um and it and like i said it would be it would be amazing if what you're talking about were possible you know if there was some... <laughs> we'll see <laughs> human nature i yeah i've i've, I've been I, I don't know if you saw this movie don't look up recently have you heard about this I don't know. This is this movie that's going around about like an asteroid hitting the earth and what would happen if we had an extinction event that was coming? Could we agree on it? Like, even if it was something (laughs) staring us in the face. (laughs) And the the sad thing was, is that, you know, in that movie, spoilers, we couldn't. And, you know, and and, and I think that it's, it's one of those things where I'm starting to feel that lately, where even if we have an event where, we all have to kind of at least put some of our differences aside to figure it out that at the end of the day, human nature is still going to maybe partition us in these, in these slightly different thought forms and thought ways. But I, I don't know. The idealist in me is still like, ah, maybe there's hope. <laughs> like, maybe, you know, I don't know. I think it's a balance, right? I think it's like, oh, as yeah, you get older, I mean, sometimes we get crystallized, but hopefully we yeah. still supple enough to... No, I certainly wouldn't call myself an atheist politically. It's not that I don't believe it can work at all, ever. I think at one point it did, um, or or it seemed to work a little bit better. Um, but I would just 
see myself more as an agnostic at this point in time that I not I'm not I don't belong to any one camp. I don't think there's actually a political party that represents my views. And so I don't belong to any political party for that reason and I don't I don't necessarily believe that political parties even really have my interests at heart. You know, and so there's a sort of there's a there's I think there's a healthy skepticism that because there's a there's a there's a zealotry almost that's that's you know um on both sides of the aisle that's become you know commonplace it seems like where people are just like you know um you know so convinced that they know what's right for everybody and it's like wow man like i don't think i've ever been that sure of anything (laughs) well that's and that's one of the things i appreciate about you gary is that i think you and i both share this healthy um you know skepticism that we just don't have it all figured out <laughs> you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like, exactly and it's like i always say that when one question is answered that brings up 10 more for exploration and you know maybe this has to do with some of our more mercurial type of placements that we we share but i i think that that's that's how i approach it is like oh, I'm, I'm gonna ask some questions today and see if i can learn something and and um that's tough in these times. A lot of everybody has an opinion and it's okay to have an opinion. Um, I think that communication though is about both having an opinion and, and being able to listen. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, Gary, let's move forward. Yes, sir. Uh, let's uh, I'm seeing in the chat that Remco is asking me to sing the Ariana Grande song. from <laughs> <laughs> Remco, I'm going to spare everyone here and not attempt to sing an Ariana Grande song, uh, mostly because I don't know the lyrics. I <laughs> don't remember the lyrics, <laughs> but, but but that is funny. Uh, so thank you for, <laughs> for poking me there. Um, OK, Gary, we've talked about Saturn. We've talked about the fact that we have this point of transition. Um, We haven't quite unpacked the square to Uranus. Do you have any thoughts about what that could potentially mean for us? You know, that that thing, you know, one thing that I learned by watching the crypto markets that's really fascinating to me, you know, the basic theory of astrological aspects is that they're more intense when they're applying and they're less intense when they're separating. But what you saw recently with the crypto markets is that there was there was a big downturn after the Saturn Uranus square perfected. Right. Um, and which is and I've seen that other times, too. I think it was back in the summer. There was a sun Saturn opposition and I was expecting things to get better after the opposition and they only got worse. And it's like it, it, it's a reminder that that Saturn Uranus up, uh, square is not really finished. It is technically speaking, there won't be another one, yeah. but it will be refrenated this fall. It's going to get close be, again, right? It'll get very close again. And so it's really not finished. Um, you know, and that, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about the the three, you know, the three realms in the tree of life, you know, where you have the supernal triangle, um, and then you have the, the air realm and then you have the water realm and this idea of, um, these, these, you know, patriarchal gods, Uranus and Saturn who went to, had this bloody war for dominance. And it was, it was a, you know, it was a, a bloody struggle and there was, you know, and then same thing with Jupiter and Saturn. Right. And, and, but then Mercury comes along and Mercury 
deals himself into the pantheon, but without needing this bloody overthrow of his father. He's just like, hey, pops, I just want a spot at the table. And as long as I can, I'm happy to serve, you know, as long as I can be, you know, by your side, I'm happy to serve. So there's, you know, there's that sort of um, bloody revolution, you know, energy that comes along with the Saturn Uranus um, thing that is, uh, yeah, it's, that's part of my skepticism, I guess, of why, you know, it feels like some of the things you were talking about is not necessarily possible because there's this, there's these extremes of like the problem with Uranus was that he was, he was repressive. He was literally like pushing the children back into Gaia's womb, you know? Yeah. Um, and so there's this repressive force and then there's this liberative force that oddly enough in the myth, Saturn was this liberative force that came along and, and castrated the father and, and whatnot. And so, yeah, that feels like it's not really over. And I honestly, I don't know how much of a reprieve we're going to get from it. Um, you know, now that seeing the way that things, you know, the financial situation is uh, very touch and go. When I was doing the, um, the, the um, forecast event for Astrology Hub earlier this year, Michael Bryan, I don't know if you know Michael. He, but he came on the show. He was talking about he, this. Michael's yeah. really, yeah. Glad you're he, bringing he, this said, up. he said he saw um, some kind of um, similarity with the uh, financial panic of 18 something or other. And I was like, yeah. whoa. And I looked at it and I was like, holy shit, he's right. I could see that. I could see the, the parallel. And so, you know, that idea of the Phobos that you were talking about of this, right. of this panic um, and the possibility for that, it, it feels like it's a little too close for comfort with that Saturn well, Uranus. What story. he was saying, Gary, when he was here, he, he was here at the full moon eclipse and he was talking about that the the challenges that were beginning there would ripen when the sun was squaring the nodes so uh -huh. he, here we have a full moon that is squaring the nodes yeah. here right yeah. right before so the sun at the bends right he was like that's when he thought that the markets would start to go haywire and that we'd have this panic <laughs> which uh -huh. which is fascinating to me um yeah I've been sort of starting to research, you know, like some stock market things and crypto and trying to understand it just at least just from a, from an observer's place. Um, right. And it's, it's crazy. I, I, I actually got involved in some of those meme stocks a little bit more, more as just like a, a fuck you to the hedge fund managers type of thing. Okay. You know, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar yeah. with that, where there's right. this short, short sailing, like, yes. A, yeah. type of thing you guys can GameStop research it gamestop stuff yeah. not a lot not a lot of money but in in i was fascinated by it because i was like oh okay this is something that i can kind of like very sad and you're honest actually it's totally. like you know oh oh you guys want to like uh you know um skew the game oh right. well we we can come together and like you know right. throw a monkey wrench in your little you know exactly plans but yeah. but i'll tell you what what i've learned over just a week of trying to like follow along with this those markets fluctuate so much and there's so much energy that's attached mentally to watching the little ticker go up and go down yeah, it's incredible man it's so addicting when you when you and, it's very addicting it's yeah. it's also when you have skin in the game 
yeah it's there's no like the those primary emotions of greed and fear yeah it's when real. you have skin in the game holy crap man it's it real. will show it will show you what greed and fear are about if you get skin in the game and, and watch and 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 pay attention yeah i don't like it i don't like it at all like, <laughs> it's not for me either, no man. i don't like it no I, and, and it's been a really interesting exercise over the last week seeing what that does to you and be, becoming like the watcher and observing yourself yeah, go through yeah. those swings of emotion yeah, and, I, and i'll tell you another thing that that this brought up to me and thinking about how this might play out on a global or national scale it wasn't even really about the money for me at a certain point i was like you know what i don't even i i have enough money to buy the books that i want to buy it's not even about that for me at, at some point i was like i just want to win do you know right. what i'm saying and like yeah. there's and it doesn't even matter what the money is i just i don't feel like losing and that to me is a huge Psychological well, it's like gambling. That's, that's it's how exactly gamblers. Big. That's how gamblers yeah, exactly. get in trouble. They they exactly. they they get you know. There's an addiction to. Right. There's a there's a there's a um you know adrenaline high. Right. And it's about winning and it's about dopamine. You know, it's a dopamine hit. Yeah, yeah. It's right? a dopamine high. It's adrenaline high. It's a it's a rush, and it's and it's a it's a mindset like you said about they they, they have to win, you know and you know the nature doesn't work that way man because well, you, you think about a guy like jeff bezos right that we like to hammer on for amazon he's got more money than he could ever know what to do with but it's it's not about money anymore for people like right. that it's That's about right. winning and like it's it's to me that was a huge light bulb i was like oh we're in trouble because that like <laughs> that winning quality is something that is very deeply ingrained and takes an enormous amount of awareness to be able to transcend and to be able to get out of that cycle of winning and losing and like the the attachment and the addiction to the adrenaline and the dopamine. Um, it's just been a very edifying process for me, just watching my own emotions, having a tiny, tiny amount of like fun money like in there just to like, oh, here's a here's a scratch off lottery ticket if this goes crazy. But I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't even know if I like that opening that door at all because it puts you in a, in, a, in a strange space. And I guess what my point being with that is, as we move forward into this potential period of volatility, how can you remain objective and not get, fall prey to that Phobos, that panic, that fear of like going crazy when things start to, to shake up, right? You know what I'm saying? What, what, yeah. would you, what would you recommend for people in that regard? What are some of the self-care things that you do? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, breathing, remember to breathe, you know, yeah. like um, time in nature, like in, in, in just values and, and priorities, like really, really like, and that's, that's basically where I was coming from with the politics thing is not that I don't care about politics or care about the people that it, that politics impacts, mm -hmm. but it's like, um, it's more like, you know, um, yeah, there's a certain amount of self-care that's necessary there for me where it, it, it's the same as you were same energy that you were talking about with the with the financial markets where if i get too plugged into all of that dialogue it becomes this like oh i want to win and i think there's a lot of that same stuff going on with the politics is they just want to win they just want to yeah. be right that's they right. just want to impose their view on everyone else mm -hmm. you know 
And that, so that's really what I was talking about, Spencer, is that thing that you identified in the, in the, um, is, is just recognizing where something feels unhealthy and, and being able to take a step back from it and being able to take a breath and find those things that are, for me, it's nature. You know, yeah. if I, nature is like my, nature is like my, you know, my, my mother, you know, she's, she's the, these arms, safe arms that I can go and be held and not have to worry about, um, you know, is somebody, you know, um, you know, coming to get me or whatever. And, and so, um, yeah, like giving yourself a permission to, to take a time out and to take those rests and to be in that liminal place of from, from whatever it is. Um, and, and not feeling like that you, um, that, that, you know, there, there's very few things in life that are actually make or break, do or die. That's true. You know, yeah. and, and from a Taoist point of view, the best thing to do in most situations is nothing. Non-ado. It's a Taoist state, right? Non-ado. Don't fuck right. with it because yeah. you're only going to mess it up by messing. If you let it figure itself out, generally speaking, natural harmony will ensue by just letting things be. Yeah. And so... I think it was Thoreau that said, you know, a person is rich with with regard to the amount of things that they can leave alone, they can afford to leave alone. Um, so that's really where I was coming from when I made that comment about the politics is like, you know, for my own mental health there, I'm at a place right now where I'm kind of letting that alone. Well, here, here's the thing, Gary, um, you, you know, I love you. So I think that I think that what the way that you're approaching things is not a bad thing. I think that it's important to center ourselves when we're getting involved in some of these things. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I, I actually agree with some pulling back. If, if, if too much emotional and mental involvement m makes us feel de destabilized, that can lead to adding to the negative energy of the conversation. Whereas if we withdraw and pull back into our center, then we're pulling out that negative energy, which itself is a is a you know, a more enlightened action. So I, you know, I I, I hear you, man. I I, yeah. I feel that as well. My my only thing with that was just acknowledging that, that there are other absolutely ways I, I of dealing it. with it too. Yeah. You know, I get it. Yeah. So, Gary, okay, let's see where we're at here. So we've got this square between Saturn. I'm sorry, with Sat yeah, with Saturn and Uranus, the square between the lunation and Uranus, so potentially some instability, some shakeups. Uh, that decan is the six of pentacles, so maybe having to do with our routines and how we distribute resources and things of that. So this new moon might shake that up a little bit. Um, let me see what else have I got here. I'm going to move forward here, just and touch very briefly. And thank you for your time today, Gary. Really appreciate this talk. Yeah. And thank you for, I know we're going going down some interesting avenues today. But, <laughs> you know, you're you're a gracious a gracious guest, my friend. Um, so we've got this square on February the eighth uh, between the sun and the moon. Uh, we are also just a little lead up to this. We we had Mercury that was emerging from the beams on the thirtieth of January. Mercury stationing direct on February the 3rd at 24 degrees Capricorn, the Kazemi's on the 4th, and then we get this first quarter moon on the 8th, which also coincides with a Mars-Uranus trine. So potentially something 
very uh, some actions that could be potentially innovative? What do you think? Yeah, you know that moon is interesting as as the as the node has switched there into Taurus um, from these you know very mental and uh, and uh, signs of Gemini and Sagittarius into more sensate and and emotional signs of uh, of Taurus and Scorpio. Um, it makes me wonder if like um, yeah that we won't see some kind of you know, anomaly with the weather or something. Yeah. That kind of, you know, like a, a weather event or something like that. Um, We've got yeah, a bomb that, cyclone uh, that might be coming to the East Coast, <laughs> oh, right? right? I mean, you know, at this point in time, I think, you know, it's funny because the lady that runs the dream group or, well, she's sort of just like the originator or founder of it. I'm sure she would disagree with me that she runs it, but the, the, the dream group that I attend, she's always like, um, you know, she's a fan of winter and she wants, you know, cause she's from, she's from Maine. And so, and, and so she kind of makes fun of us Southerners and she's like, you guys don't even know what winter is and whatever. And I'm, I'm like, at this point in time, I'm over winter and I'm like, yeah, you know, but I, I just, it's, it, I get the feeling that winter is not done with us yet. Sure. Um, so there's that. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, the, with the moon there in the, the moon is in the, the six of pentacles and she's the ruler of that decan. That's right. So there's right. a very financial energy there and that's a, that's an opening square. So there is that kind of crisis of action that Rudyard called it. Right. Um, and it's, yeah. So, you know, there's that, there's, there's Saturn, Uranus, there's the moon in her own decan. I, I would tend to think that the moon in her own decan would be positive. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because even, even at this stage, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the crypto people are swearing that this bull run is not over and that it's just, you know, it's like taking a time out. And yeah. um, at this point, I guess from the lows last July, this is technically still what you would call a higher low at this, at this point. Well, as I looked at it this morning, so we could still get a rebound, mm -hmm. um, you know, the moon being there inner decan and with the north node, it's possible that there would be some uh, some good news on the on the financial horizon, perhaps. F fingers crossed, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've got that first quarter like crisis point where we're trying to bring something into action. Maybe this is the point where we're trying to really move on but we've got to deal with some kind of material reality uh, before we can make that crossing um, we've got the mars uranus trine at this point where potentially you know we've got three of pentacles energy interacting with six of pentacles energy so building a new blueprint but having to do it in potentially an unorthodox fashion with its contact with uranus um, around this period of time as well We've got the third conjunction of Mercury and Pluto at 27 degrees of Capricorn on the 11th of February. And then Jupiter makes its heliacal evening set uh, on the 13th. So maybe there's something that we see in relationship to the Pisces area of our life too um, that might be the, the beginning of a new cycle, the beginning of an ending that could lead to a new cycle when Jupiter makes its Kazemi as well, right? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and you wanted to talk a little bit about um, Mars being out of bounds right now. Can you can you maybe help us with that a little bit here, Gary? Yeah, yeah. Mars, Mars is there's a couple things going on with Mars that's interesting. So the out of bounds thing. A lot of people ask me what is out of bounds, you know, and um, I mean, I can share, I can do a screen share if you yeah. want, where I can show some, some of the astronomy behind that, Let's but look at it. there's basically, you know, even before astrology, as we know it, that is Hellenistic astrology um, came about, you know, yeah, you Plato, can share your screen now. Plato in, in the Timaeus, Plato talked about um, the two great circles that he called the circle of the same and the circle of the other, referring to the um, celestial equator and the uh, ecliptic. Mm -hmm. The celestial equator is the belt line of the earth projected out into space. In this diagram, it's this blue line. The celestial equator always goes through due west and due east. It's the belt line of the earth projected out into space. And it's that, it's the circle upon which the earth rotates once every 24 hours, right? And so, he called it the circle of the same because all of the stars and planets rise, set, and culminate once per day. They all have the same speed in what we call primary or diurnal motion. The circle of the ecliptic, which is the pink line here, intersects this, this equator in two places at the equinoxes, right? So, so here's the fall equinox point of Libra, and then here is the um, winter solstice point, which by definition is the place where the ecliptic is as far from the equator as possible. Mm -hmm. That's what the sun, that's what the winter solstice is. It's when the sun reaches the furthest south from the equator. <clears throat> okay, now if we zoom in here a little bit, we can see that Mars is actually below this pink line of the ecliptic. That's what we, and so is the moon here, right? Whereas, see how Venus is way up above? Venus is in a northern loop right now, and Mercury is above the pink line. Right. That would be called north latitude, mm -hmm. whereas Mars, and now, when you have a planet that's already near this place where the ecliptic reaches its furthest distance from the, from the uh, equator, and it's also in south latitude, then it's going to be farther from the equator than the sun ever gets. And the sun is a symbol of the king or queen or a sovereign. So when you're in an area that the king never traverses, you're either some kind of outlaw or you're like this emissary of the king who's going into this special realm, you know, like Lewis and Clark were sent westward by Thomas Jefferson to explore the Louisiana Purchase, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, or your Robin Hood, you know, robbing from the rich and <laughs> giving to the poor or something like that, you know. But there's this rogue outsider energy because it, the planet is literally outside of the of the realm that's traversed by the sun. And so Mars from roughly January 13th through February 10th, Mars, because it has this additional latitude south from the ecliptic, and it's in this place of, of the furthest south, um, Mars is out of bounds. So there's this, so Mars is already a, a, a planet that we associate with, um, with aggressiveness and, um, and, and hot-headedness and so forth. And then when you throw in this maverick outsider out of bounds kind of energy, well, you, I mean, you can see right there where that, 
might be going. Um, I wonder what, if that's interesting. Oh, go ahead. What's interesting, though, is that Mars is moving. See Venus here. You know, Mars is moving into a conjunction with Venus. Mm -hmm. And what's what's interesting is that Mars is actually watch how this works. Mars is actually going to pass Venus. That doesn't happen very often because Venus is faster than Mars typically. But I Venus is stationary at this point. So see how Mars is passing Venus there? Yeah. This only happens about uh, every six to seven years. There's three conjunctions of Venus and Mars within nine months. And then the, the middle conjunction is the one where Mars passes Venus. And Venus is either retrograde motion or she's stationary. And, um, and uh, uh, Ruperti um, called this the, you know, the... Um, the most important conjunction between this pair and like this is the one that you want to pay attention to because this is sort of like the new moon or the re the reset of the cycle of the synodic cycle between venus and mars it's not a synodic cycle but the, right. the venus mars cycle is kind of like this is the focal point um going forward and so generally speaking since venus is is north here and mars is south Mars, think of it like it's like um, I don't know if you ever, you know, did anything where you were like, you know, somebody you were boosting somebody up over a wall or like, you know, whatever. if you're if you're on the bottom, you're generally in a supportive role. And the person that is up higher is in, you know, you're being in service to them. So Mars is somewhat in service to Venus here. And that might have an effect of cooling out some of that. So he might just be like doing this outsider stuff in a way that is actually trying to get Venus, you know, whatever, whatever she needs. So he's not doing it necessarily just to be an asshole. Do you feel like some of this, do you feel like some of these Mars out of bounds transits may coincide with some of the, I guess you could call it like the saber rattling that we see between like oh, Russia yeah. and Ukraine Absolutely. right now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's part of what's going on. Putin is, you know, pushing his he's pushing the envelope because and here's the thing. I mean, if you want to if you want to like imagine for a second that we could take the advice that you gave earlier about, you know, listening to someone with a different point of view politically. Imagine that we could take the time to actually listen to what Putin is saying. Yeah, <laughs> where are you going with that? Well, what Putin is saying is that, you know, you have to understand Russia was once a superpower. Right. They, they, they had, you know, NATO was, was they had their own version of NATO, um, which was the Warsaw Pact. There was a whole group of nations that were all aligned with Russia, with the USSR, rather. Um, and then and then slowly NATO started picking those off one by one and like taking away their friends, <laughs> essentially, you know, and now and now Russia feels like they're kind of surrounded and they're they're basically saying, hey, quit trying to convert our neighbors to to be NATO nations so that you can move troops closer to our borders, because that feels aggressive. We don't like it. And we're not going to respond favorably to it. Now, you could say right, wrong, or indifferent, but that's essentially what he's saying. And what the U.S. is saying is, sorry, not sorry, we're going to do it even if you don't like it. 
And so it's like, okay, if you, if somebody tells you that there that there's something that they don't like that you're doing and you do it anyways, is it really any surprise when you get the results that we see, which is that there's pushback? Yeah, I don't know enough about the geopolitical history of the USSR and their relationship with NATO or Europe to have a super informed opinion on all that. I guess what I'm not I was, saying I'm super informed. You know, I'm just saying I'm I'm trying to hear what the guy's saying. And it's not a surprise to me I that mean, he's having is, an adverse I do, reaction. I do think it is important to understand where people are coming from in the midst of a conflict. I think you're absolutely right with that. Yeah. And seeing what is his his actual beef, right? Because right. then maybe there's a diplomatic solution that can be worked towards with that. Now, what I will say, I guess, just for my European friends out there, is that I, I do hope that whatever happens over there is resolved peacefully, because I know that that, that whole situation could throw uh, that area of the world into chaos. And I, I have a lot of friends over there, and I guess my hope is that whatever happens, that hopefully Mars will come back into, you know, alignment with the solar king. Unfortunately, it's not that far out of bounds this time around, and it's not yeah. out of bounds for that long. Okay. So, so maybe this will blow over, you think? And the other thing is, as I said, Mars was active in the in the um, in the previous ingress chart for last March. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I think this will blow over. Ultimately, you know, it's this seems to me very similar to what um, Putin was doing in Crimea. Was it Crimea a few years ago that he yeah, did a I similar so. thing? Yeah. Where you know he's like pushing back against what he sees as an encroachment. Um, you know, the, the other thing that, that's important to understand about that is that, you know, they see Russia as being more, they see Ukraine as being more like Russia than Europe. Mm -hmm. They see Ukraine as being ethnically more similar to them. And, you know, so there's that angle of it too. Now, whether or not they actually see it that way, or they're just using that as a, you know, whatever, I don't know. But well, yeah, it's, I don't know if we're going to solve world peace. It's so complicated, isn't it? Yeah, it's so but complicated. No, it's it's yeah. not a surprise that you see this saber rattling going on from an astrological point of right. view or from a sociopolitical point of view. Yep. Um, yeah, I hear you. It's not surprising, you know, and, I think and like main, you said. I think my main thing with that was just seeing that we could relate some of the astrological yeah and then but to, the, to the, the fact that mars is there with venus i think is help because venus is the planet of peace and diplomacy right. and common ground and venus is above mars and so mars is is um really having to you know and so now surrender to it maybe, yeah you know and now you know whether or not you know, that bodes well for Biden because, you know, um, at this point in time, you know, Biden is between a rock and a hard place. You know, if he, if he, you know, helps a, a peaceful solution, some people are going to say he was soft and, 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 and you know, and that's not good. And uh, so you can't please everybody, no matter what outcome. But you know, obviously, most. People, I think that that's true. <laughs> there, yeah. will be, there will be there will there will always be people be that say competing you know, interests for sure. But yeah, yeah this sure is most a... people are hoping for a peaceful outcome, and I think that Venus's presence there is is definitely cause for for 
you know, and both of those planets are dignified there. Mm-hmm. Mars has Mars is in the, its own decan and its own um, exaltation. I don't need to share this anymore. Sure. Um, I just wanted to show the astro- astronomy part of that. But Mars being in its own, you know, generally speaking, malefics when they're dignified are not as malefic. It's undignified malefics that you really have to worry about, generally speaking. Um, and Venus has triplicity dignity there. So, but the thing that I'm excited about that conjunction is that um, there's a, you know, psychologically and or magically, there's a, there's an opportunity for a joint, for a, an alchemical marriage of the, you know, the, the yin and yang, the, right. you know, the, the masculine and the feminine, the sacred marriage, you know, alchemical marriage that we, that we can achieve in ourselves and that, and generally speaking, these, these, um, conjunctions that occur every six to seven years, it seems like they kind of um, drive the, um, the, the scene in terms of like what's popular in terms of arts. And like the last one that happened this way was in Leo. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see like over the past, like this whole influencer culture of like, you know, being like um, the influencers are sort of like, junior movie stars or something they're like these leo figures where they're like this you know they look at me and i, I you know and and I'm, I'm doing selfies and blah blah blah. you know it just reminds me of like a really leo energy whereas um you know with it with this cycle being reset in capricorn it seems like more of a like an og kind of energy of like you know i've paid my dues i know what the heck i'm talking about i'm not just this pretty face in yoga pants you know that you should buy whatever i'm saying because i look good kind of thing (laughs) well i'm I'm looking at the full moon here because what we see at the full moon just a preview of what you're talking about here is we've got venus and mars coming together at 16 degrees of capricorn pretty much almost the exact day of the of the full moon and i guess one of my final things i want to ask you about with that uh, I mean, I have initial thoughts about the full moon just being about should I stay or should I go? You know, with that with that third decan of of Leo being about defending your territory, and the third decan of Aquarius being like, okay, it's just time to move on. You know what I mean? Maybe it's the courage to move on potentially. But we're going to discuss that. Me and uh, another astrology, Dulcie Cardinal, are going to discuss that on February the 9th, which is a Wednesday. So please, everyone, join me for that. But I wanted to ask you. What do you think about the fixed star Vega here, where they're coming together? Yeah, Vega is a star. Uh, Agrippa says that Vega is of, of the nature of Venus. Okay. You know, so, um, and really Agrippa is just mouthing the book of Hermes, which was, you know, Hermes Trismegistus. Um, and, and so I, I think that um, that's one more reason to think, you know, Vega is the star of Lyra. Lyra is often, you often see... Um, you know, it's the harp, the, the, the music. So musicians like I think Stevie Nicks has um, this star. A lot of comedians have this star Vega. It's like for performers, mm-hmm. it gives a, it, it's like a, it gives a performative kind of vibe, but it's art artistic. So it's Venusian. So that's another reason to think that um, there's this sort of Venusian vibe that's going to balance the Mars out there. Um, but that moon is in um, a nakshatra known as Ashlesha. It's in the head of the hydra. Okay. 
So there's, and there was a, the last Venus-Mars conjunction, I think, is was in the place where that moon is, if I'm remembering correctly. It was when, it was in Ashlesha. Um, so there's this, there's this kind of intense um, Kundalini type energy that goes along with that. Um, that's potentially very interesting. Um, you know, from a personal point of view, that might be the moving on might be, you know, it's interesting because Jung said that we typically don't really solve our problems. We outgrow them. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) The solution is just what you said, moving on in the sense, like if we grow to a certain degree, it's not that it's not a problem anymore. It's just that it's not as important a problem from the, from the growth place where we, and so like, while bringing the hydrogen, sh- maybe shedding some of that serpent skin, right? You know, or realizing like, hey, you know what? I'm bigger than this. Yeah. Like, um, I'm actually farther along where this thing that I've gotten used to identifying as a problem, I can now choose whether or not to actually let it be a problem or not, because right. maybe I've outgrown it a little bit. Something like that. Yeah. Yes. All right. So use your charisma like orpheus and his lyre right there you to, go yeah to be able to soothe the savage beast right? hydra your own or, savage beast right or, or cerberus <laughs> right? Right? or the sirens that are calling you like you know put put people to sleep if you can hopefully <laughs> hopefully i don't hopefully i don't put people to sleep on my show here but maybe maybe people do need to some some sleep in the winter right you know yeah i've actually had people tell me they listen to my podcast while they're going to sleep and i thought at first i thought wow is that a compliment (laughs) (laughs) i I, yeah yeah. i think that i I mean i think sometimes it is because if if people are so relaxed listening to us that they could drift off into a liminal space then maybe there's something or it helps them get into that liminal place there's actually a whole like occult practice with that that's called hypnagogia where you like you like mine that pre-sleep place for like images and and it's almost like shamanic journeying where you're like seeing what comes up for you during that place but yeah that that's a really good point like there's this hypnotic energy associated with orpheus and it and it would be advantageous to like against that phobos energy that we were talking about right if you can Mm -hmm. chill that out and or the aggressive energy of mars and or this maybe potentially aggressive energy of this eslatia serpent energy you know if you can sort of chill all those out enough to um where you can you know maintain some objectivity and you might see you know creative opportunities of things that you know you thought were problems where it's like yeah you know what that's actually not so much of a problem anymore and because i'm not focused on it as a problem I can now see this opportunity that I wouldn't have seen if I was focusing on this thing that I thought was a problem. I love that. So rising above it, seeing something from that transcendent 30,000 foot viewpoint, maybe see, maybe the problem becomes insignificant. It's a, it's a not worth worrying about. Or not as significant anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I like that. And maybe that helps us move forward. Like the seven of swords card that we have here potentially. Okay. Moving forward. Um, we're getting some nice comments in the chat here, Gary. We, we've got a really nice audience here today. They're being very complimentary of, 
uh, both your wisdom, the combination of our chemistry together. So we've awesome. got a lot of people that are, are excited. Um, you know, <laughs> hopefully not, our voices aren't putting anyone to sleep today. They're but, not asleep just yet anyway. Or Maybe if, they're in that hypnagogia state. Or if hypnotized. you need a nap, it's okay. If you really if you need a nap, you can listen to it later. <laughs> Drift off into this dream. is right about my nap time, actually, now well, that you we'll, mention it. Well, we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up then, Gary. So, <laughs> you and I could talk all day. So I, I that's why I love chatting with you because... You know, I love when people are so passionate about myth, about this art, and you are yeah. a tr true artist, my friend. So I, I thank I, you, you know, man. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, I always love talking to you. We always have yeah. a good time. So to wrap up and put a bow on this little thing here, we've got uh, an animal symbol uh, that we can help us through this new moon, and we have an I Ching that may be able to give us some guidance. So we, the animal symbol that I pulled for this new moon was the mouse. Um, so Gary, do you have some thoughts on, on mouse energy? My go-to for the animal stuff is um, yeah. it's this book called Medicine Cards by Great Jamie book. Sams. Yeah, I love it. Really, love it. this is like one of the first um, esoteric tools I ever got when Me I was too. in college. And I just, I freaking love it. was my first it, deck. Man. That was my first tarot deck. Yeah, same here. Yeah. yeah. And she talks about mouse as being like, the ability to scrutinize things to like really get down like if you from a mouse eye point of view right to yeah. really see things up close like put your spectacles on and really examine like what exactly is going on here um and i think that's very interesting um the the other problem is like you know you can go too far with that where you're like getting you know so caught up in the details that you can't see the forest for the trees that's kind true. of thing so, um, so, which is interesting about pulling the mouse in Aquarius time because yeah. Aquarius is so big picture, like big right? picture. Yeah. Right. Like don't, yeah. Don't forget. There's the details. The devil is in the details. So balance out your big picture thinking with your details. Um, you know, a few things I was thinking about with this is they, they actually keep their, um, their burrows really clean. They have a specific toilet area and a specific place for their food and they're very separate. So if you have some things that may be holding you back, like clutter in your environment or your space, clear it out to, to clear the decks for the new start, for the return of that spring energy that we're gearing up for at this cross holiday. Um, they're also very fertile though. So small actions can lead to big things. So I think that that's something to consider with mouse as well. Mm. Scrutinize, attention to detail, like Gary was saying, Examine the, both the big picture and the necessary steps to carry it out. Keep your environment clean and get rid of the old junk, even if those old, the old junk is old thoughts, old narratives that are limiting you. And that will bring us to the I Ching that we have, which is number 24, which is called return, renewal, turning back. Uh, oh, these are a couple other uh, words for it. Repentance, reform, restoration, rejuvenation, the turning point. Um, so the, the I Ching that I like is called The Laws of Change by Jack M. Balkin, which is my favorite translation. He's like a, he's a Yale professor. Do you have this book? It's a great one. So he says, return, success, going out and coming in without harm. Friends come, no blame. Turning around and returning to the way. On the seventh day, return comes. It is beneficial to have somewhere to go. So he's talking about in his an analysis of this hexagram, the days becoming longer after the winter solstice, which 
fits perfectly with emolk yeah. and, and this groundhog day type of experience and that it's important not to force matters that things are still in the early stages um, letting them develop naturally with that pregnancy that we were talking about taking time to this was important to me because we're coming off of venus retrograde where i don't know about you but i've had a lot of friends who have gone through some really challenging times with like partnerships and stuff yeah. so taking time to restore trust during a reconciliation after an mm. estrangement so if you had like a deep like almost plutonic experience with venus and pluto in this retrograde you can't like just make up and it's over you have to kind of build your relationship back one st stage at a time after you've identified the problem right um and yeah, yeah. and the, but the main thing what i saw with this was the ending of a cycle of decay where we're getting ready for a new start it's um, like one solid line at the bottom of below all yen lines right yeah so it's like that one that line it's like the first solid line amongst so it's like this just this very first beginning of something the thunder what I see that's, when I that's look. under the yeah. earth the yang right. that want, almost wants to push up do you, do you have an, uh, a translation of the I Ching that, that you like not necessarily you know it's funny you know what I used to love um, there was a when I was in Norfolk I, I completed my bachelor's degree there at Old Dominion and when I was in Norfolk I used to hang out at the ARE at the um, Edgar Casey uh, headquarters there and they, on their website, they had a version of the I Ching that was um, where they had like the I Ching text. And then they had various um, excerpts from from the Edgar Casey readings nice. that went along with it. Cool. <laughs> so for some reason, like they really spoke to me, man. And I used sure. to use that one. It's like, it was like an online thing. Um, and so that's the last one that I remember really being attached to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the 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 idea of this, you know, early stages of something build, you know, that's just it, it's in fact, it's not even building yet. It's just starting to be present. Right. Right. It um, does feel like almost like perfect for what you like you said, for Imbolc, you know, yeah. like there's this, you know, pregnant seed of something under the earth that we can feel, but it's not ready to yet. To, to bring out into the world yet. And we can just kind of hang out with it and, and let it grow within us and um, let it begin to build. So patience is the key, huh? At this winter time, yeah, it's yeah, important to rest, right? But, but also to examine and get that big picture thought. Man, we've covered a lot of ground today, Gary. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> we cover a lot of ground, my friend. This is no so doubt. much. This is so much fun, my friend. Thank yeah. you so much for for joining me today. And yeah, for, thanks for having me. It's been it's been too time. long. We should do it again before too long. I'll have you on my show or you know something. Yeah, I'd be happy to join you, my friend. Happy to. Cool. Right so, on. So thank you all of you for being here today we've got so much great comments in the chat box here really cool that we've got people from all over the world like you know yeah yeah we had very, we had a, a number of people joining us live gary we had, we had i think over 40 people that were joining us in the live stream too so and many more that will be listening later so so thank you for that um if you want to support the work that we're doing here, the first thing that you can do is just thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to share it with us. I know there's a lot of competing things for your attention, um, but the, the easiest thing you can do to support the work we're doing here is hit the like button. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're not. 
visit Gary at dreamastrologer.com. He has a number of services that we went over at length in the beginning of the show. Support him. Uh, do you do readings as well, Gary? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, so Gary does readings as well. So dreamastrologer.com. Check it out. Uh, if you want to make a material donation to the show, you can hit that little dollar sign and do a super chat or a super sticker, or you can support me at buymeacoffee.com. And remember, the Decans of Aquarius is coming up on the 12th of February, Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern. There, I'm running a special until February 1st with the coupon code Aquarius20 if you want 20% off the price until then. So that's what I've got today. Thank you so much, Gary, again for joining me. This is so Thank cool. Thank you, my friend. And I'm, I'm, I want to just zoom best. in on all of your books in the background that you have there. <laughs> <laughs> like, see what's on your bookshelf. And, and I got we'll stuff I've been gathering for 30 years, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can't wait till the next time we can get together and just, you know, share some space and, and look at the sky together in person. So thank you oh, for man. being with From me. From your today. mouth to the God's ears. May it be soon. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, and, brother. And, Thank you all. And, and remember, be kind to one another throughout these cycles and, and be kind to yourself and uh, have a great new moon cycle. And I will see you the next time, everyone. Take care. Both blessings. Bye-bye.